Hey everybody, welcome to Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. I really want to thank you for listening. If you feel compelled to do so, make sure you subscribe, uh, leave a review, comment, share, whatever you feel like doing. Help me out trying to grow this podcast, trying to continuously deliver value. A couple of things before we get into the show, check out the links in the show notes to my CRA Academy, my CRC Academy, both of them doing very well as far as getting people jobs in the marketplace. Check those out. Also, if you need help getting studies for your site or anything else, or even launching a site, basically any help for your site, we have a low monthly fee consulting service where we have helped many clients become and continue to be successful site owners through our background efforts of business development and support staff. Text me 949-415-6256. Please check out the links in the show notes as well for the book, The Comprehensive Guide to Clinical Research. It's been selling really well, getting very well received by the community. Thank you guys so much for that. Also check out the YouTube member page. Join this channel to get perks. That's my YouTube uh, membership. It's 10 bucks a month. You get a monthly mastermind exclusively. It's a Zoom call every month with other YouTube members. Uh, You also get weekly videos exclusive to the YouTube members on how to use social media to improve your opportunities in life sciences. So check that out. Really means a lot to me. And thank you so much again for listening and enjoy the show. So Guru Nation, I'm here with Alyssa Sanef. She's a CRA. This is somebody who um, I ran into on TikTok because um, I've been doing clinical research stuff on there for like a year now. And that platform has really been growing like crazy. And Alyssa was one of those people that commented and she said she's a CRA. And that's basically how she got started with CR- CRC route. Before that, she was clinical research assistant. And now she's a CRA with one of the larger um, CROs. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Alyssa, for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. And as a C- as a CRA, I got to ask, how often do you use TikTok? Um, I always start videos and I never finish them because I get on site and the world comes tumbling down and I can't finish my <laughs> day in my life. We're missing like a CRA on TikTok. There's a lot of people in research yeah. that just occasionally share there's there's me that i kind of try to touch everything um but then it's like to have just the cra doing tiktok stuff i haven't seen it so it's wide open Alyssa, as if you needed more to do yeah right i do know a few cra's that are on tiktok get them to do something um or maybe that's you so anyways Alyssa's LinkedIn will be underneath this video. And if you're listening to the podcast, thank you. It's also going to be in the show notes. So Alyssa, um, how did you get into research? Because it seems like relatively quickly after college, you got a bachelor's degree. You want to kind of walk us through like when you first discovered the idea of research? Yeah. So I graduated my bachelor's of science and biology, as most of us did. Um, I was kind of lost because uh, I was an accounting major and then I changed halfway through and I still wanted to graduate on time. So I did summer, winter, fall, spring. I did everything for like the last two years. When I graduated, I was like, I need a breather. 
So I wanted to be a PA because I think everybody wants to go doctor, you know, medical route. And so I was like, okay, how? Like, how do you start? Where do you go? I played uh, college softball. So that's what got me through school. So I didn't have time to do observation hours. I didn't have, I didn't have any free time at all. So I graduated and I was like, okay, I need to get observation hours. That's my first thing to do. So I was literally emailing all the clinics by me. I was walking into clinics with coffee, like trying to talk to a PA, like, how can I shadow you? This, 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 no luck, nothing. So, and I mean, I was doing that every day. And so then I got into scanning medical records because it was all I could do. Like it was the only thing that would happen is the only thing that I could get into a clinic setting. So I go, I'm like driving, you know, three hours to go scan medical records somewhere. And it was really interesting because that taught me like, what's a demographic? Like, what is this? What are medical records? Like, what are you even looking at when you're looking at medical records? So that was actually really interesting. And so I went to go scan medical records in a place in Houston. And I was sitting next to a PA and I knew because she had the PA book that you like read. And so I like kept glancing over and I was like waiting to like start a conversation with her. And I was like, Hey, like you're a PA, like I'm trying to be a PA. And she was like, so I actually started by doing research at like a small clinic. And I was like, Oh wow. She's like, you'll get amazing experience and everything medical related. And I was like, how cool. So she referred me to that place. And so I went to go interview and I was like, at this point, I, I didn't care. I was desperate. I was like, I'll do anything. Like, Was it a small I, clinic or like a... I, there were maybe five employees. Okay. There was the PI, the site manager, uh, a coordinator, a okay. front desk, and a research assistant. So like tiny. And it was only women's health. So I go and... Uh, I was like, I'll do anything, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever you need, I will help. I, I will do anything. I just want to get my foot in the door. So I started as a research assistant and that's like where I learned everything. I mean, they would sit me in a room with all the ISFs and they'd be like, they'd give me a stack of papers. And they'd be like, file these. Oh, and yeah. there I am, yeah, just yeah. Enough for hours. So I had to learn like what an ISF is, where things get filed. What they and nobody look- really trained you like. Because I, I do that to my new staff, too. I think the ISF and data entry is, like, the best place to start. Absolutely. Because you don't need that much training. But they'll inevitably ask you a question, like, hey, where does this go? And then you explain what that is. I feel like that has helped me train people better than, you know, making them watch a video or do GCP or oh, something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So they, I mean, I would ask them questions because, like, what is a CV? You know, like, what are these things? I had zero clue. So that's like where I started learning things. Um, I just kind of picked it up. And then the coordinator that I had was amazing. I mean, she was top notch. She's been doing this for six years. She was like top of her game. She had books, flashcards, like the how to be a great coordinator, like what clinical research is. Because she had, she was certified. So she had like all of her study guides and she would give them to me. She had like all these tabs in a book and I would literally go home and I would like eat, breathe, live clinical research. I was like, what is a coordinator? So like I slowly started getting more involved and then one of the coordinators left. So, you know, I kind of had to jump into it. We're doing eight enrolling studies with one coordinator. We were seeing 12 patients a day, you know, so I jumped in headfirst. So I was, I did the research assistant for maybe like a few months, I'd say like four or five months. And then that's when I started getting into coordinating and man, it just, it took off. I would say once I started making source, I, I was, that was it. Like I was in, I, I could read a protocol. I could comprehend it. You liked it. That. I knew the protocol in and out. 
they sent me to an investigator meeting by myself. And I like, that was, I was like, I know that this is where I want to be. And this is how I want to be. So no more PA just like that. Yeah, No more PA. Cause I was like, I, and I was working with women's health and the trials for endometriosis and seeing these women come in day in, day out, they have nothing. They're in excruciating pain. Nothing can help them. And you're finally giving them some relief. And that worked wonders for me. So that's, so I was doing the coordinating for there, but like I said, it's a small clinic and I was only doing women's health. So I knew that I wanted to do more. I knew that I wanted to get into gastro. I wanted to get an oncology, you know, pulmonary. I wanted to get into everything. So that's where I kind of started like venturing out. I'd apply to like this and this, you know, different coordinating positions. And everybody's like, oh, you only have a few months of experience. Like, eh. And so I applied for a study manager position with Eligo. And I, I like applied and I was like, no way. Like, no way. Like, this is just a shot in the dark. Like, no. And I got the interview. And I was like, man, I'm just going to do it for experience. And then I got the position and I was like, wow. I was like, no way. <laughs> but that's a good attitude to have. Um, I'm just going to go in to do the interview for the experience. I tell people all the time. Sometimes people get scared. Like, oh, I applied for all these jobs. They actually called me in. Now I'm scared. I tell them, look, I have no expectations. Just go. Use mm-hmm. it as practice. Uh, and that's exactly what you did, it sounds like. So you were a coordinator for, what, less than a year before you did this? I would say so. I was like a research assistant for four months. And then I was a coordinator for about six months after that before I transitioned to the study manager. And study manager was really just like a golden term for coordinator. So I was really just a coordinator again for another year. But that coordinating position that I had was insane for two different clinics. So I was going in between a gastro clinic, a gastroenterologist, and then I was working at a different clinic with two different PIs. I was working with an internal medicine doctor, women's health, and the gastro. So, I mean, it was insane. Like, I think I was doing at a time, maybe like eight to 10 studies. I was seeing patients for a ton of different studies. Like, it was, I literally jumped in the deep end. And I, when I say I watched YouTube videos, I read books. I mean, I... Like all of my days, all the time were all research. Like I wanted to learn everything. Like I would sit there and just listen to it like over and over and over. Like, what is this? What is this? What do you do when this happens? Like what's an AE? What's an SAE? I mean, did you find good stuff? Oh yeah. I found great. Yeah. And there's so much out there. You just have to look for it. And it's so interesting because once I got deeper into this field, I was like, why? why do not, why does nobody know about it? You know, like I, all I wanted to do was just tell people, like, I just wanted to tell people like, this is an option. Like yeah. you can do this. You don't have to go to medical school. You don't have to be, you know, a physical therapist or PA. You don't have to, like, this is an option. People so, don't know. And even when they do know, like, I mean, you're someone who had a bachelor's degree. Actually, we had like very same degree. I was molecular, cellular, bio. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but like people even like without degrees, like MAs, CNAs, mm-hmm. I I actually get more excited for them because, all right, someone like you and I, we have a bachelor's degree. Okay, I couldn't get into med school. You couldn't be a PA. Um, but because we have that degree, we can have a job, right? But somebody yeah. without a degree, mm-hmm. they're kind of either stuck 
like taking a medical assistant job like CNAs, MAs, for example, they go into a lot of debt actually for those certifications. Um, and that's literally all they can do. Like they, yeah. they're not going to be able to transition to other industries. And if they do, it's just going to be like some other lower, lower paying job until they climb the ladder. But in research, you can like an MA could have done what you did too. Absolutely. Yeah. And I relied on my MAs a lot. Like when I was a coordinator, I mean, I relied on my MAs for a ton of stuff. You know, uh, like I wasn't doing blood draws. I wasn't, you know, doing that kind of stuff. So I relied on my MAs to do that or to even like mention it to the patients. And I've worked, it was interesting working at two different places as a coordinator because things were done so differently. You know, in a small clinic, the coordinator does everything, everything. I mean, you're doing IRB stuff, you're doing patient stuff, you're, you're doing everything. And then at a bigger clinic, you're doing things a lot differently. You know, like you're only doing the EKG and like ConMed's AEs versus uh -huh. everything. What did you prefer? I prefer doing everything. I didn't, yeah. when there's so many hands in the pot, things get mixed up. Is the correct ICF filed? Am I using the most up-to-date ICF? And I had a huge huge transition when I went to the study manager of a bigger place because there were so many hands in the pot and you know I was running into doing mistakes that I didn't even know were mistakes you know like I relied on the team to have the most up-to-date ISF and you know a lot of the times it wasn't the case so <laughs> yeah. that CRA wasn't doing their job huh yeah yeah so after that I did that for about a year and I whew, I was tired I was tired. Coordinators do not get enough, you know. So how did anything. you go to then CRA, like within, yeah. let's say what, what's that, two and a half, three years of site level experience? Yes. It was about two and a half years of site level experience. And then I decided, I was like, I want to travel. Like, I want to do more. Um, and then when I, when I went into my study manager position, I ended up having to almost audit all of the work of the last coordinator that, coordinator that was there. And I didn't realize how much I was going to like that, like how much I was going to like going back through the data, making sure that all of it made sense, making sure that all the deviations were noted. And at the same time, I love traveling. So I was like, I think this is something that I would really enjoy. So as monitors would come in and visit, you know, every week, I just like have a short conversation with them. Like, how did you get into it? You know, do you like it? Um, you know, how would you do it? What would you look into? Do you have any advice? This and this and this. All my monitors were like, you'd be a great monitor. Like, that'd be amazing. Like, I'd love you to work for my team. Like, blah, 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 blah. So that's when I started applying. And so I was applying mm -hmm. for like scary positions here and there. Um, no, no bites. I mean, no bites. And I, I even got like interviews. I think I got an interview with LabCorp. And they, we had the interview. I think it went well, not an email back not a callback, nothing about like any follow-ups. So I knew I was like, okay, I know I needed to start a little bit like almost smaller. So that's when I saw the premiere had a CRA Academy. So I was like, okay, like let's, let's do that. So that's when I started with premiere. Uh, I did the interview. They literally called me in an hour and they were like, the position is yours. Like we would absolutely love to take you through the Academy. Um, you know, sent me the offer letter and I was like, oh my gosh, like, am I ready? You know, cause that's a big jump. Like being a CRA, when you're a CRC, like it looks kind of scary, you know? And yeah. so I was like, am I ready? Like I had to think about it, talk about it. But 
Then I took it. The academy lasted maybe like three months, I think. And then, um, you know, they just kind of sent me on my own. I did my observation visits, sign off visits, and then I've just kind of been doing my own thing since. So how how long from when you got the job offer and then they put you through their training till when you're monitoring on your own? Like, a, yeah. what was that in months? October, November, December, January, three months, about three months. Okay. And yeah. so your first site, your first monitoring visit on your own, do you remember it? Like, what was it? Um, it? I was so scared. I was terrified. It was in April and I went and I think I was most scared to talk to the PI. Like that was my biggest fear. Um, was it an SIV? Uh, no, it was an IMV. Oh, okay. So I was like scared. I was like, how do you talk to a PI? Like I've only ever talked to him as a coordinator. And I didn't want them because I think a lot of people looked at me like, oh, she's young. You know, she doesn't really know what she's doing. Like, we're not going to take it very seriously. So I had to make sure that everything that I did was by the book, you know, dotted my eyes, crossed my T's. Like nobody could really question what was happening. Um, but I, I mean, I, I was so nervous. I moved really slowly. Like I looked at it's kind of funny because how I monitor now is so differently. Like before I had a post it, I remember. I had to post it and I was writing down all the times like ICF, like UDS, UPT, um, you know, physical this. And I made sure that it all matched and that everything was perfect. And then they had the right amount of time in between everything. And then I was also verifying data. Um, so I was like really particular. Um, now it's a little bit different. I'm particular, but I can like get through it. I know what I'm doing now. Um, but I was just really nervous. I was moving really slow. I didn't want to miss anything. Um, and then when I first talked to the PI, I was very like, um, yeah, so everything looks good. Uh, everybody's doing a great job. And yeah. And they were like, okay. And I, I had to practice. I mean, I practiced, you know, pretending to talk to a PI and stuff like really? that. Before I, yeah. Before I could get comfortable, like, hi, I'm Melissa. I'm the monitor for your trial. Like, it's nice to meet you. Um, I had to do a lot of that stuff. So how many sites, how many studies have you've only been there? Like what, a year or a little more than a year? A little like, less than a year. I started in October, and I've been monitoring on my own since April, so only okay like six months. Yeah. So I'm guessing just one study and a few sites. I'm on two studies, and okay. I have six sites for one study, and then I have three sites for another study. Oh, okay, it's pretty good. So yeah. you are you on the road like all day or um, like thirty days out of the month? All the time. So I've, I was doing like 12 to 14 days on site recently, these past three months, but well, the sponsor terminated the study and there was oh, a back of data that was just insane. So I had to take over a lot. And then, I mean, the turnover right now in clinical yeah. research. Well, we could talk about turnover, but, uh, so what indications is this are, are these? Yeah. So I've actually never worked in psych and my first trial oh, okay. was in psych. Yeah. So a social anxiety disorder. And I, I mean, I, I had no idea. I don't, I didn't know what a mini was an LSAS, Hamdi. I didn't know any of that. So that was so interesting to learn everything about that and just like see these patients and see the results. Um, that was really interesting. So it's kind of cool. Cause now I have another therapeutic area under my belt um, and then another one, I'm still, I just got put onto it. So I'm still kind of learning it. It's a genetic mutation study and wow. it's in pediatric patients. Rare disease. Rare disease. Yeah. So it's very, very interesting. I'm still mm. learning. I'm just trying to, you know, read through the protocol, make sure that I have 
everything together. Um, and then I start doing monitoring visits for that study at the end of this month. Okay, awesome. Yeah, psych is where I started. And now that I moved here to Yuma, I started with an internal medicine doctor and then a derm. And we just got a neurologist that wants to do studies with us in town. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to start applying for psych studies for him. It'll be nice to get back into that that realm uh, yeah. again, CNS. Uh, that's cool. So as far as your workload then, 12 to 14 days on site, I mean, it doesn't sound too crazy. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you hear stories from other CROs, like, you know, how many sites and studies they assign their new CRA. So this this seems reasonable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This seems like a good pace. Yeah. And what I do love about Premier is they only... Um, they only require seven to eight days on site. So every additional day that you do on site, um, you know, they'll compensate you for and stuff like that. So I'm doing more than, you know, what I'm required to do. Um, so they don't, I feel like when I look at other CROs, a lot of them re- require eight days on site, 10 days on site. And Premier, uh, the way that it works is you do six and a half and then everything more than that, you can get compensated for, you know, as long as you okay. are doing what you're supposed to be doing. Man, do you guys need more sites? Oh yeah. I might you might be my monitor then. Yeah, absolutely. All right, I'll contact you after cuz our neurologist's really good. I'll tell you all about it, but the people yeah. who watch the videos, they know it's yeah. like it's been a journey, but it's good. It's about a year in now, um as oh. well. So yeah, we'll be, do you go to Arizona to monitor or you just stay in Texas? Um, I go, so I was on the West coast for a long, they had me on the West coast in the beginning and then they just transitioned me to be more regional. So now I'm more in the central region. Oh, okay. So I have one in Houston, Austin, San Antonio, and then I just got Oklahoma city and Kansas city and Georgia. Oh, okay. Yeah. We're probably too far West, but you never know. Alyssa, small world. I'll Mm -hmm. reach out. That's cool. Uh, so workload. You're doing good. Uh, two studies. You're figuring out. You get to learn. That's what I like also about those smaller zeros. You get to learn multiple indications. You know, you're not like trapped and just. Sometimes at these bigger CROs, they just put you in a therapeutic indication, and you become mm-hmm. like an expert in that. But then, how do you market yourself when that pipeline dries up? Like CNS goes through ups and downs. Right now, it's up, yeah. but mm-hmm. um. I don't think rare disease ever will. Oncology never will. But sometimes, you know, like uh, respiratory, for example, cardio, mm-hmm. I've seen those go through ups and downs. So yeah. it's pretty cool that you get to be diversified a little bit. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I think what I like about going to Premier is I feel like it's a little bit smaller, you know, than Senios and Icon, the big guys. So I get to see a lot of like what the clinical lead does, what the project manager does. Um so I feel like I've really been part of the whole team a lot. You know, like I get to have a lot of one-on-ones with my line manager and with my clinical lead and, you know, talk to them about endpoints and about what's going on study-wise versus just going to my sites and doing my work. You know what I mean? So yeah. I really like that aspect that I can, you know, kind of get to see what everybody does and feel like I have a say and an input in what happens. Um, so I've really enjoyed that. You, do you have any advice for sites to make life for CRAs easier? I would say schedule out monitoring visits early. Um, you know, be available. One of the biggest things that I tell my sites is if at any moment you have a question and you're not sure, should you do this or should, just call me, 
call me, you email me. Let's figure it out now before I go on site and I'm like, all right, all right, what happened? You know, now this is a deviation and we have to report to the RB and we have to do these things. So every single time I have a site, I have a new site, I'm always like, call me. Anything, anytime, call me. And email you answer. Me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I almost always answer. I like to be very, because I mean, I was there. You know, I was a coordinator. I, I think coordinators make the best CRAs. I, I mean, I was, I had a stint as a CRA too in between sites. I, it was actually like three and a half years of mm-hmm. monitoring. Um, and yeah, I had a totally different perspective because as a site owner, well, prior to that, a coordinator, you know, I was always a little bit afraid of my monitors. And mm-hmm. then when I had that stint, I realized that, you know, monitors are just doing their job. They're just filling out reports. They're not like trying to get you. Uh-huh. So then I completely changed my attitude. But I noticed mm-hmm. for my employees, because they don't have that perspective, they're brand new. They're mm-hmm. afraid now of monitors, and I tell them uh-huh. that they shouldn't be afraid. And sometimes it's okay to like fight back if they tell you something you know it's not right. Yeah. Push back. You know mm-hmm. they're afraid. My employees now are afraid because they're new, but I, I'm telling them slowly how to uh, go about doing things. Yeah, definitely. And I feel that I feel like there's a lot of things that a CRE does that the CRC doesn't even know. You know, like we're all on a team. Like we're not against you. We want the site to do well. You know, we don't want to walk in and clean up issues and deal with things. You know, we all want the same goal. So I kind of, when I was a CRC, I kind of wish I would have looked at it a little bit more that way versus like, Oh, great. Like now I have to go through everything, make sure everything's perfect. You know, but you had no way of knowing back then, like me too. Now I get to do it again. So I have like a whole new opinion now. Um, so it makes it a little bit easier now, as far as like when you're at the site, I know when I used to monitor too, there was really big sites, AMCs, I had really small sites. I'm not sure which ones I preferred. I mean, they both have their advantages, but like, what's your ideal site to monitor at? Like how much should the coordinator talk to you? Um, should they just say hi and bye and Mm -hmm. have you emailed that? Like what, how do you prefer to work? I prefer a smaller site, definitely, um, just because I know the coordinator, I feel like they, they can almost answer all of my questions. They know exactly what's going on. They know the ins and outs of everything. The pharmacy is, you know, the next door over. Everything is very close and everybody knows what's going on versus when I go to a big hospital, like in Houston, it's a huge hospital. You know, I've got to walk like two buildings away to get to the pharmacy, but the pharmacy doesn't know what the site is doing and who's weighing the IP and who's putting a sticker on it. Should they have put a sticker on it? So definitely I prefer a smaller site. Um, And as far as coordinators, how I like to work with coordinators is I prefer they'll come and say hi, and then I'll give them like an action items list or like things I need to accomplish today. And then I like a check-in before lunch for at least 30 minutes and be like, hey, I'm gonna go to lunch. These are a few things that we should work on before the day's over. And then at the end of the day, get together maybe like 30 minutes before I leave and see if we can knock anything out right then. Um, and that, that's pretty much how I like it. So like three to four check-ins, I would say. And I would say at least 30 minutes each time. And then I do prefer when I meet with the PI for the coordinator to be there as well. Because a lot of the times, you know, the PI is like, that's a great question. <laughs> yeah, they don't know the specifics. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. And say I was going to say then about PI. Like, mm-hmm. do you feel like most of them are the same at this point? 
what you've had what nine sites that you've monitored so far yeah i don't think so i think they're all so different even when i was a what's the spectrum what's like the what's the spectrum yeah so i would say that you have the very like hands-off pi that goes in does the physical and signs off on the lab results um and they're just very like yeah that's a great study everything's good patients are good um and then you have the pis that are a little bit more hands-on um, that are like, yeah, you know, like I was talking to this subject and this was happening. Um, you know, they're really assessing things. They're calling subjects, stuff like that. And then I've had the very hands-on PI, like I'm going to call the sponsor right now. I'm really cool with the medical monitor. Um, you know, this happened and I was talking to this subject and this was happening. Um, so I feel like I've seen all the different kinds of PIs. I'm sure there's a lot more, you know, I'm, fairly new to the CRA game. So I'm sure there's a ton more, but I've seen at least those three. And are, some those, just, are those like um, from that spectrum, like does it, does it correlate with how good they are as a PI? Oh, that's a hard question. I don't know. That's what we do around here. Yeah. I, that's hard because I've seen some sites do really, really well with the hands-off PI because their coordinator is so good. Um, yeah. And then I've seen some sites that need that hands-on PI. So I think what it comes down to it is the, the DOA, the delegation of tasks. How well do you think that your coordinator can do on their own? And I feel like a lot of PIs nowadays are, you know, they're they're bringing in a coordinator that's research naive and they're also hands-off. And that's where you're running into things like that versus the PI that's going to be hands-on until they feel their coordinator can take on more of it. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that makes sense. Um, so CR, so I guess what, what does one start thinking about after they become a CRA? I would say, so actually at the beginning of my CRE career, I was like, I wonder if I wanted to own a site. I was like, I feel like that's something that I love to do. I see. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. So I went back on, back and forth on if I wanted to do that. And then once I got into this role, I was like, oh, maybe I want to be a PM. Maybe I want to be a CL. Um, so I've kind of, I've looked into a few different things. I definitely want to be a CRE for at least two, three more years, definitely get more experience. I'd love to dabble in oncology. I think that'd be really interesting. Oh yeah. It's a whole nother planet like that. I had one, no, sorry, two breast cancer studies I've monitored in my time. And yeah, whole, I mean, learning curve, like crazy. Thank God I was, I knew research because I just basically spent my time learning about breast cancer. Yeah. I think that's super. I love to do something like that. Um, I did one oncology, but it was a device study for colorectal cancer screening. Um, that's the closest that I've gotten to it. Um, it counts. I, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. I like the clinical lead role. I just feel like clinical leads work a lot. Like that is yeah. like I mean that is that's a lot. Like all your CRAs are calling you. You know. I, but isn't that like the job CRAs want? Like. Or at least when they get started and then maybe they yeah. realize like you, like, oh, that's a lot of work. But yeah. isn't, is that still like the goal for most CRAs that you've encountered or are they just all over the place as far as what they want? I've really heard a few different things because I have met a ton of CRAs um, and I feel 
like a lot of them wanted to want to go into management, but then a lot of them don't want to be in charge of anybody else. They want to be in charge of their sites. And, you know, the CRA role is a very independent role, you know, like you do what you're supposed to do. You schedule your travel, you go on site and, you know, you don't have to answer to a whole bunch of people. And a lot of the CREs that I have met, they love that. They want to do their work, you know, get there, get out, get all the reports in and be done. You know, they don't want to talk to a ton of people. They don't want to manage people's timesheets. They don't want to do any of that. Right. Yeah. So the more senior CREs I've met, that's pretty much their personality. Like, no, I'm good. I can sit in a room for three days on site, get everything done. Mm, That's interesting. So the more senior ones are the ones that are more like um, introverted to some extent, or at least they just manage themselves and that's enough. Mm -hmm. And then the ones that make it to positions of like lead CRA or Mm -hmm. some CROs have line managers or Mm-hmm. Um, you're saying those, and definitely the site owners too, from my experiences, a growing segment of our client base for sites we help get studies for is, uh, our CRAs. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- those tend to be, at least I hope if you're going to open a site, you gotta be a salesperson first, um, or at least have the right mindset, which sounds like you do, but yeah, you, you just started. So yeah, the beauty of this is you don't have to decide right now. Yeah. I am. I definitely was not expecting a lot of things that came with this role. Absolutely. I thought, you know, that I was going to go on site and I was going to review source and I was going to figure out all the mistakes and, you know, put out queries and write my reports and be done. But there is way more to this role that comes with the position. And a lot of the coordinators that I've met and talked to during my visits are like, how do I become CRA? I want to be a CRA. And I I look at all of them and I go, how comfortable are you with not being home? How comfortable are you in a hotel? You know, 80% of the time, like make sure that you're comfortable with that, that you're comfortable with being in an airport, you know, that you're okay with leaving. I was like, first and foremost, because a lot of people are like, oh, it's travel. It's glamorized. You get to eat a whole bunch of new food. You get to like rent a car and sleep in a hotel. Like how fun. And I just tell them, all, I was like, remember, like, it's not all easy. You know, you're going to get to a site and, and not, not all coordinators are the same coordinator you are. Not all coordinators are the same coordinator. Oh man, <laughs> I've met some. Everybody's going to, there's going to be some coordinators that don't write any times on anything. There's going to be some coordinators that write everything everywhere. So I was like, you have to constantly adjust your way of thinking and critical thinking when you're going to a different site, you know, because what they're doing may not be wrong. It's just not what you're used to, you know? So I tell all of them, you kind of have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. So I, but all coordinators, I'm like, just think really hard about it, you know, and make sure that that's something that you're okay with because it's, it's completely different. I think it's completely different than coordinating. Yeah, I tell them that too. Also, if they don't want to travel like in-house CRA or remote site mo- remote site monitor, that's uh, the non-traveling, like one tier probably below a CRA is the, and yeah. as far as pay is concerned, is yeah. uh, um, in-house and remote site monitor. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. All right. So glad to have met you from TikTok. Um, probably the first podcast I've done from there, so. Welcome, and thank you for commenting. (laughs) Yeah, anytime.
And so everybody, check out Alyssa's LinkedIn profile underneath. Uh, like, subscribe, comment, share. Get to know her. And catch y'all later, guys. Bye-bye. Thanks.